to the sleeper and the bust this is episode number 161 and i am your host nicholas minix joining me as usual on sundays is jason collette jason a happy labor day to you about 12 hours in advance give or take yeah i'm gonna be using labor day to get some rest after after road tripping today through uh, the carolina mountains seeing some caverns waterfalls my old uh, grandparents their, their old farm up in bakersville and uh, I need some recovery after uh, my alma mater lost the heartbreaker in the final second on a field goal Saturday morning. And uh, it feels like it's been a three-day weekend already, but thankfully I have another day before things kick off. <laughs> very nice, very nice. And I'm on a similar recovery window. I spent the last couple of days writing extensively to wrap up a, an article for the Hardball Times that uh, I'll say Paul Swyden I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yes. I apologize. Okay. To him, uh, he's been waiting for for me for an extra couple of weeks because um, it turned out to be a little longer than I expected. Um, yeah, I'm supposed to do one eventually here. I'm, I'm just kind of waiting for a topic. I, I, I told him when he asked me, I said, if you give me a topic, say, hey, look into this, I'm good with it. And then he gave me a topic. My schedule sucked. I mean, yes, today is really my first day where I'm like, okay, I've got something, but you know, we haven't done anything as a family in two months up here except for one trip to go see uh, some other friends, which wasn't fun for the kids. So I'm like, you know what? We're going road tripping today. So I, I will get something done here soon. I like, I don't know about you, but I enjoy off-season writing more than in-season writing. Um, I think uh, based on this piece that I did here, uh, I think that there's a chance that like I, I kind of see it that way. I mean, I hadn't done a piece. This, first of all, the piece that I'm doing is kind of on the uh, business side of fantasy sports and obviously particularly about fantasy baseball and so i was taking a, del a dive into a certain aspect of it and it's going to be basically the evolution or um more so the the a look into what kind of new fantasy games might actually baseball games might actually exist uh now that we've we've seemingly perhaps hit a roadblock with daily i mean daily is kind of the new thing and since then you know it's like what what else is there uh, to discover in terms of baseball so in-game, uh, honestly, in-game stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're going to see daily games where you're playing, where you're doing stuff. As the game and, is going, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I actually got, I'm, I'm not going to reveal the name of it, because I just I just saw this in my in my inbox, but it's something that somebody wants me to like put my name behind. Uh, and it, it looks like something that you can do during the game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't know if I can do it. I, I mean, obviously, I just saw this now, so I can't do it this week, because this week sucks. But it's it's what I'm reading about it. It's the only game that is played while actual sporting events are in progress. Yeah, it's built for your mobile device, real time player selection. Uh, you can make adjustments as the game. I th I don't know if there is another plateau. Yeah, that's uh well, and that's the, like I think uh it's it's an interesting topic. I ended up delving a great a great deal into certain aspects of it, particularly business and legal sides, to try to make an argument here in a sense. But um, actually, if you don't mind, I'd be appreciative if you would send me that link i'd be interested to check that out it may be uh, something i add to the report <laughs> forwarding right now for everybody that's just riveted to this conversation uh, oh but i'm yes. sure i'm sure they are yes i'm sure they are 
Yeah, without further ado, yeah, we'll jump into some uh, some fancy stuff. And uh, I think Jason wants to play a little bit of Fantasy Baseball Jeopardy with us before we get into the I rest of like the show. I would like to play a game. I would like to play a game. This goes, I mean, Eno and I used to do this. And even if you listen to when Paul Spore and I used to talk, um, you know, this was something we would do is like guess, guess the player. And I figured, you know, this is, by the time you're listening to this, it will pretty much be September 1st. But I wanted to look at second half guys and who's leading everything in second half. So, don't stress your brain on this. I'm just gonna say, give me the who do you think has the best second bat, the best second half batting average of qualified hitters and the worst second half batting average? Oh gosh, well best. Uh, I'll have to reveal. You, I mean, told me that Jose Abreu has a 380 average. I'm gonna guess that that is that is the leader. <laughs> he is 17 <laughs> points higher than anybody else, and that's that's kind of impressive. Um, and also, I mean. I, whether that just shows that he's making adjustments or whether he's getting lucky, it's hard to say without looking into it. But I'd be interested to see. I think I want to say he has only two home runs since the All-Star break. Uh, it's a very low total regardless because I think he went into the break or with around with around 30. So He has four. Okay. Close enough. Uh, the worst batting average among qualifiers since the break. First name that comes to mind. <laughs> um, well, I... I mean, just an easy guess, and because uh, he's he's only on the brain, is Adam Dunn because of the trade? I, otherwise, I really don't know. Uh, it is not Adam Dunn. It is uh, Curtis Granderson. Ah, okay. Curtis Granderson's hitting a buck sixty-four. So that is uh, that's how poorly that group is doing. Dunn is probably uh, not even a qualifier. <laughs> Dunn probably is not a qualifier. <laughs> who has the highest second half home run total, and who has the lowest? Uh, well, that was really cast too dumb. Yeah. Let's say all right. Let's say let's say who has the highest. Right, let's, do, let's put it this way. We can go Somebody three highest. Somebody's leading everybody. Somebody's leading everybody with fourteen home runs. There are three guys tied with twelve. Guess one of those. <sighs> okay. Uh, I'm going to go. At least one of this group of four has to be Jose Bautista. Correct. He's one of the twelve. Uh, He's one of the guys tied at twelve. And then uh, I'll say Nelson Cruz. No, my man Chris Carter's got the 14 Oh, bucks. duh, yes, of course. Chris of course. Carter, but the other two at 12 yes. are Giancarlo Stanton, no surprise, and Lucas Duda. A little bit of a surprise there, yes. Yes. Right. How about uh, runs driven in? Our leader in the second half has driven in 38 runs. Oh, my. Uh, well, uh, I think I'll still I'll go with... Uh, Let's go with Chris Carter. <laughs> Bingo! Chris Carter. Guess who's second at 36? Duda. Justin Upton. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. A bit of a surprise, huh? Uh, who has... Let's get this going up. Who has struck out 56 times in the second half of the season leading all batters? <laughs> uh, Chris Carter. <laughs> no! Mike Trout. Oh, yes. No, that's another one. And that's... Chris Carter's fifth. It's interesting you bring that up. I mean, um, how much are you going to be worried that Mike Trout does not return? I won't say first-round value because it seems like nobody's going to think that that's possible next season. But how much? How likely do you think it is possible that he doesn't return first half of first-round value? I mean, how? But it, just somewhere in there. Uh, I have no worry. I honestly have zero worries about him. Zero. Okay. That's. I mean, I, I don't even. I don't even care. I'm ever so slightly worried. I think. I mean. Once you strike, once you start to strike out that often, it does put you in a different pool of players. So, 
But uh, we obviously we've seen plenty of players who continue to put up that kind of fantasy value despite being in that bucket anyway. So. Stolen bases is really stupid because we know it's Billy Hamilton and D Gordon. I, yeah. I don't really we don't even need to talk about that. Who has 62 hits in the second half of the season, leading all batters? Uh, Daniel Murphy, Denard Span. Oh, who picked up his 40th hit in in August today? Wow. Yeah, that is ridiculous. You want to Where say? Going? I want to say, and um, this has nothing to t- do with my fantasy knowledge. Well, maybe a little, I guess. But uh, I traded for him about at the end of April, about probably when he was bordering on losing his job, and 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 as a possibility, and he was hitting like 177 or something, and he was the throw-in player. <laughs> another... Regression targeting. Yeah, Regression well, yeah, targeting. and I was like, guys that are that low, just jump. Yeah, just jump on. That's um. I had a choice, uh, I think, between um, – or no, no, I didn't have a choice, but I, he was he brought him up, and I'm like, hey, yeah, I'll take him. <laughs> so uh, that was exactly. – I was excited to make that deal. All right, flipping over to pitching. There are 10 pitchers in baseball right now, starting pitchers, that have ERAs below two in the second half of the season. Two of them are at the top with a 142 ERA. Guess those pitchers. Oh, gosh. Um. Edinson Volquez. No. I assume he is not one of those guys that you had mentioned. He is not one of those guys. I, and again, it's only a name. He's that's got a two ninety eight ERA. I feel like I need a. I can never come up with names off the top of my head. David Price. Not David Price. Uh, Kyle Hendricks from the Cubs and Alex Cobb ah. from the Rays. Even after the loss today to Boston, Alex Cobb is a one forty two ERA in the second half. That's how sick he has been. Hector Santiago is next at 147. That's how uh, that's how surprisingly sick he's been. Which pitcher leads all starting pitchers with a .74 WHIP in the second half? See, I should know this. One. I'll give you a hint. He's an American League pitcher we have not yet discussed on this show. Not yet discussed on this show. I feel, I, I feel like I should know who this is. And uh, American League West pitcher. American League West. Uh, John Lester now? <laughs> Matt Shoemaker. Matt Sh- oh, fantastic. Point fantastic. four seven. That is ridiculous. Wait, seven four. Point seven four, yes. <laughs> Point seven four, yeah. That, was, that would be a little crazy. Uh, how about let's shift over to batting average and balls in play. Which pitcher has a 205 BABIP? NL Central. Oh, NL Central. Um, and this is qualifier, so it's not Mike. Yes. Mike Fires. No, he had Mike a, Fires is ridiculously low, but yeah, he was like, like one nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, Shelby Miller. Ah, wow. And despite the low Babbitt, he's still got a three ninety two ERA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go figure. Um, a couple of more. Reet. Um, let's get over here. Uh, let's just look at strikeouts per nine. Who has a 12.67 strikeouts per nine? Jake Odorizzi. Chris Sale. Uh, yeah, of course. Chris Sale's there. And uh, batting average against, let's go with that one. The last 178 batting average against. Um, Chris Sale. <laughs> Matt Shoemaker. <laughs> oh, yes, of course, because he's the so there's, there's some. I mean, there's surprise names. I used to do this. Uh, I used to have a column what I call Who Am I? And I would remove the names and just look at the stats and put things out, and people would guess, oh, it was six, leading the second half with home runs and RBIs. That's got to be this guy. And nobody would have said Chris Carter. 
maybe the home runs, but if I were to tell you who's leading the second half in home runs at RBI, you probably would have said can't be Chris Carter. Right. No, it just can't be. Well, who's leading the strikeouts? Oh, that's got to be Chris Carter. Well, no, it's Mike Trout. Uh, and that's why I like to remove the names and just look at the stats sometimes uh, to see what's left. We have a month left in the season. I mean, honestly, I think I talk about this every September 1st. There's only so much you can do with your teams right now. If you're look if, if you're looking for stolen bases, I mean, think back last year. Billy Hamilton stole what thirteen bases in yes. September, yes, and that's an anomaly. And he had a like guy thir- coming up, and yeah, he had like thirteen at best. Yeah, yeah, and, and a guy coming up and stealing ten plus. I think there's been five guys that have ever done that. So if you're looking for somebody to come up or, or do something, if you've got a big gap in stolen bases, forget about it. Try to focus what poss- what you possibly could do. Load up on that. I, I would love to be able to move Kenley Jansen in my home NL league because I'm leading the league in saves by eight. But the, the guy that really needs him, we can't come to an agreement. Like, I need strikeouts, so I want Cole Hamels from him. He wants to offer Alfredo Simone or, or Bartolo Colon, and I'm like, I need some strikeouts, but at the same time, those guys aren't going to make a difference. Right. I'd rather just hold on to the hold on to the closer, but the other guys that could use him, they get – He's a $26 salary you have to keep next year. And even though it's Kenley Jansen, they don't want him. Right. So I'm kind of stuck with him, but I'm not going to either. I'm not going to give him away for a lesser guy because I'd rather take his strikeout. If he play, if he pitches four times a week, even three times a week, he's probably going to strike out as much as those guys do in a single start week. Yeah, that's definitely understandable. Uh, and if you're going for something, you have to be willing to give up something, uh, which yeah. that person is apparently not quite willing to do. And uh, I just want to say that, um, well, there were a couple of things I wanted to say, and I totally went blank on them. Um, but uh, I think that uh, it's it's interesting to note, uh, since, first of all, uh, people get, you know, no, nobody's fantasy team is more interesting than your own to yourself, and et cetera, et cetera. So we do want to get to some stuff uh, oh, yeah. that actually happened around baseball. <laughs> and uh, I... Two interesting notes from the weekend. I think uh, besides the, uh, I, I dreaded and I don't even didn't even want to mention Jesus Montero receiving an ice cream sandwich in the dugout from a scout, which I think is a pretty classless move, may, as funny as it may be. But no, I mean, who shows less professionalism? Uh, Jesus Montero going to the stands and, and, and wielding a bat at the guy. Yeah, or uh, a scout does that. I mean, there's there's no. Uh, you know, nobody's innocent here. Right. This is, he's dumb for reacting, letting it get under his skin. The scout's a moron. He's lucky he didn't lose his job. Yeah, I think that that, uh, like, is, uh, I mean, I saw, you know, and I understand it's it's fun to make fun of Jose Jesus Montero and all that stuff. And, and but we, we know that he's kind of classless at this point. <laughs> we, I mean, the scout just kind of uh, didn't, didn't put himself in a very good light there. Uh, and Bo Porter is kind of at odds, according to a Ken Rosenthal column, uh, is at odds with Jeff Lunau manager versus general manager in Houston, which is kind of a shame. I like Porter quite a bit. I think he's a mm-hmm. good manager. And it uh, sounds like... I've talked with him a few times. And uh, Lunau, I mean, um, I guess there's 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 certainly some he's some criticism potentially justified there for the way he's handled a couple of drafts now for the Astros. Um, and, I mean, I guess it's disappointing simply from the perspective of, you know, that generally... The manager is the one who gets the boot because the general manager makes that decision, and the general manager is certainly not going to give himself the boot. Um, and I think Lou now, it sounds to me, and I think this is kind of a, where a uh, baseball comes into. I mean, certainly, I think statistics is a great. It's a great way to help you make decisions, but uh, people skills are still kind of important. And apparently, Lou now, I'm 
guessing doesn't quite specialize in those, but he seems to be a very knowledgeable guy, so it'd be interesting to see uh, maybe if he can turn that around. I mean, if we put this back, if we look back at the old stories about Billy Bean interfering with Art Howe, or people calling Art Howe a puppet because Billy Bean was really pulling the strings here, I, I don't know, for me, I would be disappointed if the general manager wasn't involved at somewhat you know, in, in looking at the manager saying, hey, look, I really need you to be doing this, or we should be doing this. Why did we do this? There should be some involvement. That said, it shouldn't be public. I don't know how this, if it's between two people behind closed doors, who went out and talked to somebody else? Well, I think I think part of the problem here, and it seems to be that comes across in the comm, at least to me, and, and there, are, there are at least a couple of examples, specific examples of this happening, is the fact that there is no communication between them about certain things, uh, and that Lunau fails to communicate certain things to Porter, and, and Porter learns about it after, or as it happens, or, as, or after it's happened. So, I think that that's uh, part of a problem where and whereas and I don't you know to me that I automatically think and maybe it's not fair to say but I automatically think ah oh, well you know this is the decision I'm going to make so he'll he should just get over it one way or another I mean not that get over it but uh you know well this is the decision I made it doesn't really matter what he thinks or something like that I guess is it can come off that way I guess and if mm-hmm. you're trying to be a team if you're trying to build a team you build a team also as an organization where the player people making decisions are also involved in that aspect too. I think um, there, there are a lot of management aspects, uh, things that go into it as far as you know, building relationships and stuff like that. There are plenty, plenty, uh, plenty as important, I think. Right. Um, but interesting. I mean, uh, whereas it seemed to be that there was hope in Houston as they were building something and they certainly accumulated some talent, the Mark Appel things, uh, all things aside with the, the development things as far as, well, the, the, the soap opera that is going on a little bit with him, all things aside, they certainly seem to have done something right with him since his mo- since they moved into double A. So uh, hopefully that doesn't turn out to be for them such a bad uh, pick as it looked to be three to six months ago. Right. Now let's get to some news. Okay, Oakland acquires Adam Dunn from the White Sox. And obviously this is not a big name player anymore in terms of fantasy. Uh, and it goes to, <laughs> he goes from basically the best ballpark for home runs to one of the worst. Uh, but he'll probably face right-handed pitching on a regular basis. What do you think of this? I mean, does this, is, or, or is there anything to think of this? He wants to retire after the year too. That's, I mean, that's that was kind of been the undiscussed news. Yeah. But it looks like it, it's more official now that he's looking to retire after this year. Mm-hmm. So that's a bit surprising. Uh, not terribly surprising, but that kind of uh, when you look at this, this is truly a one month rental for them. It, it seems like in the past this would have been the ideal Oakland A player. You know, taking his walks, will will do his thing. It is. Um, I don't think it really helps his fantasy value. I mean, he may be able to drive in some guys. But uh, I don't know who is it going to affect in Oakland. If he's going to play, who's losing time? I know they've been injuries have been a bit of an issue. I think uh, uh, Jason was still on the disabled list. They've had some issues with some health there. But I, I don't know. This is a lateral thing at best. Well, that's my concern is that it ends up being uh, Stephen Vogt. And, for instance, I mean, it's a possibility. And I'm not sure. I have to look at his numbers. Uh, but uh, based on the fact that... I mean, Dunn basically. I mean, he's given that Oakland has enough depth to play to play in the outfield. Dunn is definitely not an option for them there. Whereas for some reason, the White Sox will want to trot him out there. Uh, you can play Dunn probably a DH and move Moss to first and vote uh, whatever. I mean, since his kind of super hot streak to after uh, after his call up has has kind of kind of gone cool. 
But he could play in the outfield as well. I mean, he's he's been that guy who's played multiple positions for them, and he could do a number of things. But uh, I guess I'd be a little concerned about his playing time most. Or if not, it'd be somebody like a Josh Reddick, perhaps, who, I mean, he's been known to go into a one-month funk and strike out uh, as often as Chris Carter. So I, I think, yeah, you're right. I think that's ultimately where, where it's probably really the more interesting aspect of this because uh, Dunn gets on base, and the A's value that. <laughs> yeah. Um the White Sox call up this guy, Andy Wilkins, who's a 25-year-old. Uh, oh, I've seen plenty of that guy. Okay, 30 home. From Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's here, so I, I've seen him when I've gone to a few games. I'm like, hey. You know, honestly, when I first saw his name on the roster, I confused him with the old Rick Wilkins from Chicago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's who I thought. I mean, he... He's got pop. He's a he's a lefty. He's more of a bat without a position. I never really felt. And this isn't a this isn't a matter of the ballpark breeding the guy. He's got legitimate pop. He can hit. I mean, the ballpark, the new park in Charlotte, uh, it is built a, a little short down the right field line, but it's got a bigger wall. But when I've seen him hit, he's yeah, I saw him take one the other way. Uh, he hit a, he hit one out uh, to left center as a lefty, and it was and that's where I was sitting. It landed about probably ten seats to my left. Uh, but he's got good pop, and we're talking about a guy with 69 extra base hits uh, this year uh, in AAA. He doesn't have much plate discipline, but if he gets a hold of one, he can give it a ride. I mean, this could be if they if they're calling him up to play. Yeah, he's playing. If he's going to play, at least against you know, right-handers, he'll play. Not yeah, probably. if he's going to play, he's got. If you're looking for a guy that could give you four to five home run, four to six home runs in September, this might be that guy. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I mean, like. Okay, would you would you take that gamble in a in a fifteen team mixed league, without no. line uh, sight unseen? No. Okay. But if I'm but looking at a ten to twelve AL league, yeah. and I'm looking at saying, okay, I need to close the gap like my AL league, I'm I just not it's not a chance. I'm stuck in fifth place, and I'm going to win fifth <laughs> in that league. I just can't do anything. So there's no reason for me to pick them up. Uh, but uh, if I'm in another league where I'm, I'm close, I'm like, you know what, I, I'm I'll give it a shot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, definitely AL only property, and especially I mean, I I. I Totally concur on that. I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, who knows if the pop can end up playing in something deeper. Uh, if you're truly desperate and you have no other options, maybe he's a guy you play in a very deep mix league. But I would, yeah, I, he would be like my last contingency type thing just because I don't, I don't know enough about him. But the numbers suggest, that, yeah, the pop is definitely there. And he passes Jason's eye test for that, for sure. Mets also call up, they call up Dilson Herrera. And the reason, the only reason it's significant, well, number one, it's significant because he is, Kind of a decent Mets prospect, but uh, he's played only about half a season at Double A ball, so I think it's a little surprising that they turn to him. And especially, it, uh, it's a situation where Daniel Murphy. I mean, I think it's not, it sounds like there's a possibility that Daniel Murphy will miss the rest of the season. At least he's at the very least he's looking at what they've called a lengthy DL stint. Um, so with a severe uh, with a strained right calf. Um, or I think left. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Dilson Herrera, interesting player. But I think the question here is, uh, did they make this move a little too soon? He went one for three today and was over three, I think, in his debut. Or, well, he's no, I'm sorry. Uh, today he collected his second hit, so he's two for t- two for ten now. Um, he's five ten and 150 pounds. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, Pass. that's that's exactly my thought. Is like this guy, and and I saw. So, I mean, I've seen some wrecks and saying, "Hey, don't keep an eye on this guy." Let me tell you something. I mean, the combination of his size and the fact that he, hey, look, uh, he's got 13 home runs combined and 23 stolen bases in the minor leagues this season, and that's great. But there's 
a good chance that that's a byproduct of, uh, I mean, he may have that ability down the road, but he's not going to do that in the major leagues anytime soon, I think, um, considering the type of profile that he has and the size that he has. And he's got a lot of swing and miss in the game. So, I mean, maybe he's worth a buck in an NL-only league just for the playing time possibility, but I think he ends up being a negative even if you bring him in there. So I, I wouldn't expect anything from him fantasy-wise. I have 10 and 150. Yeah. Pass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cute story, I think. But uh, anyway, and Jason, opportunity real quick to make sense of what the Phillies are going to do again. Michael Franco may, may come up in September. It's still kind may. of a rumor. I mean, yeah, let, let's look to the future here, Phils. I mean, he, I, I, as much as I kind of understand sometimes when they, they delay promotions or prospects, sometimes it, uh, I see the reasons. But, like, who's, who's really holding back Franco in Philadelphia at this point? Not really anybody. Uh, but they say if they do bring him up, regardless of what they do, Cody Ashy will remain at third base. And I think defensive metrics are not kind to Ashy, but I think he's a good – I think he's the type of guy who can grow into becoming one of the better fielding third basemen. I think he has the skills and the tools – uh, I've seen, I watched him play a number of games because I, for some reason, put myself through that torture um, to watch the team. I don't mean to specifically watch him play defense, but uh, he's a good fielder and has a really good arm. And there's a lot of lot of pluses, and I think it's it's basically a lot of it is just uh, working on a little bit of fundamental stuff because he's not he's not uh, he's not the total he's not the like just the, I make the flashy plays and screw up the routine ones, but he does need uh, he's rough around the edges. So anyway. Possibly. Well, let's look at the larger issue. Michael Franco has a 297 OBP in AAA. Yeah, he's 21 years old. Yes, he's young for the league. But remember everybody that was screaming and crying about this guy that he should make the major league roster out of camp? Yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> 297 OBP, 427 slug. Those aren't numbers that are that are uh, begging for a call-up. There's, I mean, I don't mind if they slow play him, but come on, it's the Phillies. Just play him. This is what you. This is why you have a guy like that. I mean, you put him in. You see what you give him some time in September. See what he can do. He doesn't have to play uh, a lot. This is kind of silly. He doesn't have to play a lot. But I mean, the fact that their season, you know, the minor league season will be over. Uh, I mean, I I think it's beneficial when a prospect has played a full season. Uh, to take a winner off. Like I don't. I think mm-hmm. it's better for them to do that in general. And that's just totally based on my limited knowledge of player development but uh i i think in this case like let him play a little in september it doesn't have to be every day but you give ryan howard breaks it's certain it's not like he couldn't use them <laughs> uh and uh you maybe you play i mean they they won't move ashley off their base so basically he has to play there they have a series in oakland where they can use one or the other of him and howard at dh yeah, i mean it's just it's a it's a silly situation but then again what else is new in philadelphia uh, Baltimore acquires Alejandro Deaza and Kelly Johnson. I think these are really nice bench pieces, particularly Deaza, who I guess to me is kind of, it's a little confounding that his fantasy production has wailed or wailed, uh, waned, Wayne? waned so much since a really hot start to the season. Uh, but I think this is a really nice pickup for them. Probably not uh, any sort of fantasy impact though, I would say, but I, I would hold out this, uh, throw out the possibility, um, uh, perhaps that, does this somehow result in Steve Pierce losing playing time? Because this is a guy that folks have been flocking to a couple of times this season. Maybe not. Uh, so Baltimore acquired Kelly Johnson, who was with <laughs> Boston, right? 
Yes. No, where did Kelly John? That's where he yes. made his way? Yes. He right. uh, started the year with the Yankees and then yes. Boston and is now in Baltimore. Uh, All right, I bring this up. I need to find. Go ahead and kill some time uh, <laughs> because yeah. I, I have a note I want to bring up about Kelly Johnson as soon as I find it. Cause, is he the first player uh, to be traded to two ALA uh, teams from an ALA? Is he the first player to play for three different AL? Uh, well, three teams in the same division in one season? <laughs> uh, no, that's not it. I wrote. <laughs> I can't crap. I can't find it. There was something I wrote for ESPN, or maybe it was maybe it was Fangraphs. Oh no, here it was. I found it. Uh, let me get into Baltimore. 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 Again, this is great radio. <laughs> um, well, the, and the only reason I said it's a possibility for Pierce. Here it is. As Kelly said. Johnson would be an intriguing sign as someone who is both familiar with the division as and has hit rather well at Camden Yards. That was what that was my note for him. And to look at his, you know it. Sample size, whatnot, but Kelly Johnson. I mean, I thought he would be a great fit for them early on. It is a ballpark that he hits very well in for his career: three thirteen, three ninety one, six twenty five, and ninety two plate appearances, seven home runs, twenty five hits. It's a place that he's done some damage. Now it may be against Baltimore pitching. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> in two thousand thirteen he killed the ball there. Two thousand eleven he killed the ball there. This year uh, hasn't. You know, he still hits for extra base. I mean, he only had three games there. But historically, he still has good numbers in the ballpark. It does play well to left-handed power if he can get some playing time. Kelly Johnson's been one of those guys who can still get into a ball. Okay, that's uh, it's certainly fair. We'll say that the Orioles had a 420 ERA uh, in the 2014 season, which was the eighth worst. or 2000, that 2013. Well, well. <laughs> 2013, and I'm sure it was worse at home. Uh, and 11, uh, I'm not sure, but I can't imagine that they were any better. They were probably worse then. Um, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how. I mean, I think those are nice pickups considering the injuries that they've sustained. Uh, I'm kind of rude for Baltimore because people are rooting or people seem to think that they're doing it with a lot of smoke and mirrors, and they are. I think they are. But that's. But I, I'm I even st- talked. To, I talked to an Orioles podcast the other day, and they admitted, "Yeah, we we're doing it with smoke and mirrors." Yeah. I'm like, good. So if I if I feel bad, kind of dumping on your team, but come on, how is this team leading this? I know the division sucks this year, but you look at this team. I I still think they're one and done in the postseason. I think it's a pot. Well, I mean, certainly a possibility. Uh, I, I'm rooting for them a little bit, but I I mean, I have a soft spot for Baltimore. I'm from back east, from close to there. Also, I think I mean, I think uh, I think. Baltimore does a good job organizationally, um, a good job of making the most of what they have. And that's uh, I, it's probably pretty difficult to quantify. But uh, I think, I mean, I think Buck Showalter has learned a lot from his first two, uh, his previous stints as major league managers. Um, I think that the front office has made some real progress there and probably has had some success with getting Peter Angelos to stop meddling in affairs. So, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I, I think that there are some positives. I mean, we're talking about a team that was it in 2012. They like by far had the best record in extra inning games, and people said there's oh, yeah. no way they're they doing could... it again this year. Yeah, I mean, it's and people said they can't do that. You know, they they'll they it'll be years before they could do that kind of thing again. They're doing like they know how to play. They, well, they you know they quote unquote know how to play in close games. I think it's. I mean, they make some good decisions. It's 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 just a well managed ball club. But in the end, yeah, I mean, I think the pitching, yeah, it, the pitching might run out of gas in the playoffs. I think that. Um, Chris Tillman, I think, is close enough to an ace that he could be a guy who can get you through a game. Good baseball. He is. He's a good pitcher. He's not an. He's not an ace. Ace, but he's a good pitcher. But a uh, um, the fact that they'll have to turn to someone like a Miguel Gonzalez, perhaps in a game three or a game four, 
that's where things might fall apart. Whoever the number four right. starter is, uh, Wei Yin Chen, I like too as well. He's pitching great, but um, yeah, they're gonna. They're, that seems to be the the case. But they've shored up the bullpen where they might be able to shorten the game, and I think that that'll be an interesting thing too. The bullpen is really is really kind of deep. So it, it, I think they'll be an interesting team, and I will probably be rooting for them extensively in the postseason. Worse for me. And the uh, the Halos, uh, I did not realize this, but when they acquired Gordon Beckham, he became their regular third baseman. I honestly thought that he was just going to be like their utility infielder for the stretch run in postseason. Uh, I guess I was totally mistaken, and I'm not really sure why. David Freeze is now the DH, and I guess, for instance, Efron Navarro. I mean, he was hitting all right and getting on base for them. Uh, but for whatever reason, Gordon Beckham is actually um, – this makes no sense to me because he's not hitting. Uh, and, I mean, I'm, I don't think he's a great defender, uh, especially perhaps at third base where it's been a while since he's played. He's good. I mean, he's good defensively. I, I just think that this this exposed – this is what's wrong with the Angels' depth. This, I mean, they don't have a farm system. And But, you know, kudos to them. They've taken advantage of these head-to-head matchups against the A's and just shoved it down their throat. They got a five game lead now heading into September. Yeah, this uh what does this say about the A's that they sold out for the rotation and uh it's like they thought they they had to have thought that they were at least in control of their destiny to some degree, and they have been. But well, they, their crap doesn't work in September and yeah. August now? I don't know. But no, I think uh I mean, well, more so I figured it didn't work in October, but um the I think I mean this is they provided I think legit ammo to uh, second-guess their move to bolster rotation even more with the John List. I know that Yoannis Cespedes is not a huge um, offensive piece by himself, but I mean, right. maybe whatever he did to lengthen that lineup is bigger impact. It, it's a combination of things. His exit plus a couple of their guys that got cold at the wrong time, I think, uh, such as the Stephen Vogt thing uh, and a couple of other guys there. Brandon Moss also was really cold for them. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a strange development there. I did not realize that, and so I guess that means that Beckham still holds ale only value or something. Yeah. All right, sure. <laughs> Felix Dubrant, and all only commodity rest of the season. He fired seven shutout innings in his Cubbies debut, and is what is going to be a six man rotation for the rest of the season. I've always liked Dubrant. I know he's a head case, but he's better than he's better as a starter than as a reliever. He's right. He was right to say this is you know with Boston. I'm, I'm a starter. And as soon as they dumped him, you knew the Cubs were going to pick him up. So yes. uh, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, and I I agree. And I think I think NL only value, and I think he could be, maybe he turns out to be like kind of an NL only guy next year. We, you know, it's, uh, I talked about him once or twice on the podcast when he first went to the Cubs, and basically I think I kind of view it. The, we kind of view it the same way. I mean, uh, he. He is no longer really uh, – he's lost some fastball velocity. I don't think that's really going to change. The fact that he's moving to the NL is something that will kind of give him fantasy value because I think the combination of the fastball velocity doesn't have like a great separation pitch between that. I think it's, he's he, – he, he has gotten himself back into a little bit of fantasy relevance in very deep leagues with this move, but I think he just is kind of delaying the inevitable. And there's still the other thing here. I mean, September call-ups lead to a lot of ugly rosters. Yes. And you go back and look at – just look at the number of no-hitters that happened in September and look at the number of big strikeout games that happened in September. This is if, – if you're in a league and you're in a tight race with strikeouts, this is a great time to be alive because this is the month where you can make some damage because you're going to have a lot of AAA lineups rolling out there for some of these non-contenders that are going to be rolling out some of these kids that are overmatched. And it's going to happen – and I would say 
you know, come back and, and come to us at the beginning of October. But I'm going to go on record and say that we're going to have the uh, the highest month of double-digit strikeouts this year. Hey, yeah, you know, uh, perhaps rolling them out against the Mets with Curtis Granderson leading uh, all crappy batting average producers <laughs> uh, among qualifiers, right? And then Dilson Herrera, all 5'8", one, uh, 150 pounds of them. There's a number. There's There's eight outs in your lineup already. Or actually, I, yes. should, I should say it's more like six or seven because Granderson, I think, still probably leads off for them, strangely. <clears throat> um, Justin Masterson pitched exclusive. I believe he. I mean, the news was on Friday that he was going to – he decided to start pitching exclusively from the stretch because yes. that seemed to be where he was a much better pitcher. I mean, that's where he's. he seemed to think, or the staff, or both, seemed to think that he was producing much better results. Um, and then he went out and got bombed anyway by the Cubs. And... By the Cubs. <laughs> God bless it. I have without, my lineup too. Without like by the Cubs. Without uh Anthony Rizzo and I think Jorge Soler was injured in that in that game. So I mean, kind of the two big impact backs uh, really in that lineup at this point in the season uh, were not He's hot really... garbage. Well wow. he is hot garbage. So Marco Gonzalez or Tyler Lyons have been rumored to be guys to replace him. Um First of all, which one would you prefer it to be? I think Lions, who came in and piggybacked him, Gonzalez pitched the second game of that doubleheader. Uh, Agreed. Or, uh, I, I like Lions more than Gonzalez. Yes? I'm putting Dylan Axelrod in his place this week. <laughs> I mean, Axelrod at least is, is – I need strikeouts. I I meant, and that's why – it's the only reason I have Masterson is because I was looking for five or six strikeouts a game. But I can't tell. I'll go take Axelrod for this. How in the hell Dylan Axelrod has put together two – Better than quality starts uh, for the Reds boggles my mind. Uh, I guess, but not well, not entirely. I guess because any, I always consider anything possible. But I mean, what did he strike out like eight or eight? Eight Cubs, eight Cubs, and seven Rockies. I mean, the Rockies are a joke. That's easy. Yeah. But he, well, he went out he, five shutout innings, eight strikeouts against the Cubs. Well, yeah, but Javier Baez had to be four of them. So that's oh, I, probably <laughs> <laughs> that can't be as big of an accomplishment as we think it is. Maybe so, but yeah, that's going to be an interesting. One. I, I like Lions more. I think uh, have maybe the Cardinals go end up going with Gonzalez there uh, simply because he's the guy that's already stressed out. But Lions pitched like three and a third innings in relief, and they were shutout innings. I like the guy more. So we'll, I hope, and Jason seems to as well. Hopefully, I'd like to see the the, the strikeouts versus the walks. He's not a great pitcher, but uh, the strikeouts versus walks say that we like his chances for success more. I know he's probably going to lose his job when Mar whenever uh, Homer Bailey comes back. I don't care. I'm just gonna. I can't do Masterson. I I traded Jackson and, and Lincecum for Masterson. It was still worth it. Get if, those two steps off our roster. Is it is it more like if Homer Bailey comes back? I'm not even sure. Uh, of the possible, uh, oh, I don't even know. I want to say that it's possible that they decide. I'd rather he not come back. I mean, at least my boyfriend Clay Buckholtz threw a, threw a Maddox today. Two yes, it was against. Yes, it was against my Rays. I don't care because it was my boyfriend Clay Buckholtz, <laughs> and he threw a Maddox today. So I'm good with it. So you're a so you're a you're a Buckholtz guy, eh? Uh, I have been a Buckholtz guy for a long time. Uh, and then again, then I guess that that's where uh, you differ from Eno and I. He's a guy that just he he's so confounding to me in the sense that he's so unpredictable that it's not he's never worth owning to me. Uh, well, he's never he's never worth owning coming off a good season. That's for sure to me. <clears throat> um, yes, and uh, yeah, Homer Bailey has not shown any improvement in his forearm as of uh, this past. Uh, or late, uh, well, the middle of this past week. So, I mean, I, I, I think that at this point it seems likely that they shut him down. Uh, well, at least it, 
given I don't I think if he, I think if he doesn't make any progress very soon, there's no reason to bring him back. Uh, one more guy I just wanted to mention real quick is the the White Sox called up a Chris Bassett, a, who made a start this past weekend, and it was a really good start. Um, or is he? I'm sorry, no, it was not, it was not a really good start. But uh, the re- only reason I wanted to brought him up is because he had a piece appear on Fangraphs uh, about eight months ago. Nathaniel uh, Nathaniel Stoltz, Stoltz, yeah, yeah, de- deconstructing a sleep sleeper pitching prospect, and he's a guy that's kind of one of these under the radar types. Um, not not entirely because he has some great control, but he does have some interesting strikeout stuff, uh, and. Throws in the low 90s, which can get you by as a starter. Uh, uh, average about 92 with the fastball in his major league debut. Um, is this? Uh, are you familiar with him? Uh, are you? Are you say, I'm not at all. Are you saying no thanks? I mean, is this? This is kind of. I mean, first of all, yeah, you have to become familiar. I think it's interesting. Maybe you should check out the piece. He does provide some interesting, and there's a nice little breakdown uh, of the guy uh, with a number of those moving gifts that everyone loves. Um, so I think that if you enjoy that kind of thing, it's something to kind of take a, a retrospective look at. Uh, he's he's a very very least he's a pitcher of interest uh, in very deep leagues, but uh, I would not run out to pick him up for the rest of the season. To the bullpen, uh, Joaquin Benoit, lingering shoulder discomfort. Uh, sounds like he's going to be sidelined for what they say is at least a few days. And whenever they say at least a few days, it's usually going to be more. And so Kevin Quackenbush is a guy that you have to run to run to pick up. No. Uh, yeah, you have to. If you uh, chase and saves, uh, I think absolutely. Yeah, he's. A, we talked about him a little bit on a previous show with with Eno, and uh, I mean, he doesn't have that elite strikeout stuff, but there is the velocity. Is a combination of a lot of things, uh, well, a little bit of velocity, but combination of a lot of things going on here that uh, makes him kind of this uh, really quality, interesting pitcher uh, that we've seen. We've seen this type of pitcher succeed in a closing role uh, before, so. Uh, he's the closest thing the Padres have to a replacement. He's definitely going to have some value in pretty much any league rest of the season, potentially. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee acquires Jonathan Broxton. That matters really not a whole lot, but uh, except for the possibility because he is signed through next season, uh, interestingly oh. enough. So, and and uh, Francisco Rodriguez is not until the until the Brewers, until no one else but the Brewers decides to sign him on March 30th of next spring. Um, does Bro- Broxton... Uh, interest you as a closer next year in Milwaukee um <laughs> anybody I mean honestly anybody could I mean I didn't I didn't think Rodriguez had it left him and look what he's done I'm surprised Milwaukee's gonna spend the nine million on Broxton yes he's allowed fewer hits and innings pitched the strikeout rate is not even close to where it used to be with him uh, you know the walk rate is is a little high for a closer so the soft skills I'm not I'm not a big fan of to be honest with you but all he needs is an opportunity. So at least if they're trading him, trading for him, and he's due $9 million next year, that's not a guy that you put in the back end of your bullpen. Or, or that's not a guy using middle relief and then go sign another closer. Right. And here's the thing. If the Reds trade Broxton, which they did, the 2016 option becomes a mutual one with a $2 million buyout. So Ooh. Broxton's an $11 million acquisition. Or roughly twelve because he's being paid seven this year, so one million, like one point yeah. two this year. So he's an eleven, uh, you know, what did I say? Uh, two, eleven, twelve point yeah, no, one yeah. million dollar option. He's yeah. a twelve point one million dollar pitcher for them. That's a pricey. so this isn't a willy nilly. All oh, this guy's out here, let me grab him. I mean, this is an investment. This sounds like the type of move that will get a general manager fired. 
This is an investment. <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, Broxton's peripherals do not impress me in the least. Uh, and I think this is going to be, turn out to be a, I don't want to say a huge mistake, not of something like uh, investing in a, um, uh, wow, who's the wild fellow that Cleveland, uh, John Axford. This is not like John Axford, Axford territory where he puts up a five ERA I don't, or Joe Nathan or something like that. Um, but I think this will be a guy who is, turns out not to be nearly as good at closing games as they hope he's going to be for the type of money they're going to pay him. So uh, He hasn't been good in the second half, I'll give you that. I mean, second half splits are not pretty. Uh, I'm looking at his numbers here. He was much better in the first half of the season. Um, but this isn't an investment. I mean, you look at the money they just spent. I know their window's kind of short, but they went out. They're going for this. Yeah, and good luck to them. I hope it, I hope it works out for them uh, only a little. <clears throat> Jesse Hahn, he will be joining San Diego's bullpen uh, for the rest of this season. We talked, we've talked about him extensively before. Obviously, a guy to keep in mind for future seasons. Houston claims Samuel Deduno off waivers. Now, this guy, everybody talks about what awesome and intriguing stuff he has. It doesn't always result in a lot of strikeouts. And this is a potentially good claim for Houston, whether he ends up in the bullpen. Nice uh, free pickup for them. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, again, so they, they still – I don't know if this makes up for the whole Brady-Aiken thing, but – <laughs> uh, it, it's a nice little interesting gamble for them. Uh, I, I like it. Always to me, it's still somebody to keep an eye on uh, in very deep leagues down the road. And nice little story in Daniel Hudson: two Tommy John surgeries in the last two years is slated to join Arizona's bullpen uh, sometime within the next week. Okay, I guess my only question for you here is uh, Hudson. And I, I always kind of liked his stuff as a starting pitcher, although I think he needed to add a third pitch that was legit third pitch, but. Uh, does he go to starting? I mean, is this like is this a starter for you future or do you no. think his lies? Yeah, that's no interest. No, oh, no interest. Period. Okay, none. I'll be interested to see. I mean, uh, health is the same problem, and if unless his unless his immediate future lies in the bullpen, I think it would be interesting to see how this plays out. I would do kind of root for the guy at least. Brad Ausmus says uh, this past weekend and uh, going into this past weekend that uh, resting Miguel Cabrera for several days is a possibility um, when he was asked, uh, kind of something along those lines. But uh, he also said that he doubts that it would make a difference. He says Miguel Cabrera wakes up uh, every day and he, and he feels fine. And then it's basically something that he mildly aggravates because he plays. Uh, and Miguel Cabrera's on-base percentage and slugging percentage are 26 points apart. And it's not because his OBP is 580. Yeah. He's slugging 388 in the second half of the season. He has three home runs. I think, That's not what we owed him for. I think uh, I think fantasy owners and the Tigers might benefit to give him a few days off, period. Like Three homers and 16 runs driven in in the second half of the season. Here's the question. That's what, that's what you have for him. Taking it to the extreme, because I don't think I could do this, do you rest Miguel Cabrera in your fantasy lineup? Uh, maybe even just this week, but uh, he's still hitting 285 in the second half. Okay, he's still hitting for average, and it's, he's got it's 25 a good lineup. runs scored. So, yeah. I mean, he's doing something, but he's not doing what you he's not doing what you drafted him for. And uh, future fantasy, I mean, is he still a top? Is he still kind of like a? Is he the? Is he? Uh, is it Mike Trout or Camilo Cabrera for number one over? Well, not. No, it's no, Mike Trout. Yeah, yeah. All day long. But my, uh, my question should be: gonna He's going to slip in the top. He'll be in the top five. He's okay, just that's not gonna, yeah. That's if somebody takes him one one. He's a Tiger fan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's where. That's really more so where I was going. Is Cabrera still a top five pick? Okay. Yeah, I still say he's top five. 
Daniel Murphy, we've already talked about, severe, uh, pretty seriously strained calf. It sounds like Alex Meyer. Just wanted to bring this up because we talked about. We hope we would. We we're hoping to see Alex Meyer this season experience some shoulder inflammation. This last, well, that's what they've labeled it now because he's been placed on the disabled list for Triple A Rochester. I think that pretty much wraps up the season for him, and so we will not be seeing. My guess is probably a pretty educated guess. No Alex that's Meyer debut. We may see him in the Arizona Fall League when you and I are out there, but. Outside of that, eh. Again? I don't know. Maybe he goes back. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's he's missed a little time. I mean, it, it would make sense because they probably need to build him up still a little bit going into. But I think, I mean, how how this shorter thing plays out going into the offseason, they, they might be more comfortable going into spring training with a kind of a clean slate there. Because I mean, this is the second time he, he dealt with some shorter problems roughly a year ago as well. And this is this was... A, Kind of the reason this became such a cautious issue for them. I think that's why we're not going to see him at all this season. Uh, Matt Garza strained oblique, uh, expected back in the rotation for these Milwaukee Brewers Wednesday against his old team, the Chicago Cubs, and that's nice. I'm not sure I would throw him, although Garza seems to reserve some of his best for his former teams, particularly the Cubs, and so maybe that's a good reason because he goes out and fires five shutout innings just eight Ks or something ridiculous like that, but he has not pitched and it's, we got, I think we're closing. It got to be closing in on a month. Um, yeah. And uh, he's not going to be having, I mean, other than like maybe a sim game type thing is not going to have a rehab start. So I don't see him go deep into the game. I could see skipping him for your fantasy folks out there. Would you, would you consider doing that as well? No, chasing strikeouts. If Dylan Axelrod can strike out eight Cubs, guards is going to strike out 12. This is true. And yeah, again, like I said, I mean, he's, he, at least in the couple of starts I remember seeing from his uh, uh, results, uh, that uh, he does seem to have a thing. He, he, he was not fond of the Cubs organization. Uh, AJ Pollock, surgically repaired hand, uh, and Chris Owings, dislocation of the left shoulder. Both of these guys will be joining Arizona's roster on Monday, and sounds like they'll be ready to play soon thereafter, if not on that day. Um, yes. So that's positive. Eating right back in the lineup. Yes. And, and uh, he was killing it before he got hurt. AJ, AJ Pollock, not Adam Eaton. We're, I'm sorry. I'm talking about yeah, yeah, Pollock. I'm looking. I'm looking down the thing. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sorry, Eaton. I do. Pollock. Pollock was killing it too. Yes, he was. He was. Uh, I, mean, I think in the end, he's really only deep mixed league material. He's not like. I mean, well, he's, he's 15 team mixed. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's you know he's occasional 12 team mixed. He's definitely a guy worth owning, but uh, or at times, but uh, it's not going to be. He's not going to be putting up the kind of numbers he was putting up on a, a full season basis. Right. And no, he was doing great right before he got hit. Um, whatever it, whatever happened to him, he got plunked. Something happened, but he was doing good before he got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was. Um, he was tearing it. six home runs and eight stolen bases, I believe. And like, I mean, it was fewer than two hundred plate appearances. I mean, that's right. That's pretty freaking good. Uh, and finally, real quick, just want to mention Masahiro Tanaka with his slight tear of the ulnar collateral ligament. Uh, he has been experiencing what they've only labeled as general soreness. Does I'm not concerned about that or anything like that. This is not, uh, but it it is a bit of a setback in terms of timetable. And Eno t- and I talked about him on Thursday as a guy. I think uh, we talked about it was between him and another pitcher, and we said I don't even remember who it is. It's not important at this time because we wouldn't expect a whole lot from either of these guys at this. I think this alone, because he's not expected to, or at least they're hoping that he can throw off the mound by late in this week. Uh, originally, we thought as long as everything was on schedule, maybe they, they do end up getting a couple of starts out and by the end of the season, and there's reason to hang on to them in a head-to-head league or something like that. Uh, I would think that this 
puts that at risk and where um, you're you're extremely hopeful at this point if you're getting anything of significance from Tahaka. Let's be honest. If the Yankees didn't think they were in playoff contention, there's no way in hell they'd let this guy take the mound. Yeah. They would have shut him down for the year. And to, I still think he doesn't pitch again this season. I'm still of that mindset. And the only reason they're even entertaining it is because they, they have these fleeting playoff hopes, which should die here anytime soon. They got a 4% chance in the postseason. They're not going to make it. I think the Indians have a better shot at it. Just because of the way the schedule plays out, the Yankees are they're like the, they're like the Orioles. They're not a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think I don't, I'd rather, you know, take care of them, make sure everything's okay. I still think he's going to end up having surgery in the long run. And I still think he's going to miss 2015. Well, okay. That's interesting. Uh, and we, well, that's, and one of the reasons we talked, I mean, basically we talked about it is because I was very skeptical that he would be able to make this return just because it doesn't happen. But uh, as you know, you know, pointed out that pitchers and, we, and the most recent case that he could think of, um, but, the case and it's probably a really, I mean, it's a really good case to follow is Adam Wainwright's. He put off TJS for about two years uh, before he finally went under the knife and he was pretty effective until that happened. But and Tanaka could be a similar. He's, he's his case sounds actually really similar to the way Rain, Wainwright's turned out um, in the end. And I think that that could be a possibility. I don't, I don't know how it doesn't mean I think he's going to delay surgery for two years or anything like that. But I wouldn't rule out the possibility. But I think this alone, at least for the rest of this season, if you were holding out some kind of hope there, this is this. Even though it's not a setback, I wouldn't view it as a setback. It's just that this guy has really not been throwing a baseball for a long time, and now he's only been picking it up in the last couple of weeks and actually throwing it off a mound like he's pitching. Uh, this is a setback in terms of timetable, and so I think that that kind of flushes a little bit of the hope down the drain. Um, and yes. Ultimately, long term, you have to be really concerned about. He's he's got. I mean, he does. Everybody who has damage to the UCL eventually has surgery or they retire. There's really not an alternative. But uh, I, it, I, I am convinced. It'd be like Johnny Venters and have a third time. <laughs> oh man, that's a shame. That is a shame. I, and I feel for some of these guys who continued. I mean, that's a rough way to go. A rough way to go out. I think. Uh, hopefully, it'd be nice to see him get back in the league eventually. Yeah, uh, by the way, your Phillies did something. Get out of here. They traded uh, John Maryberry Jr. to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> tell me um, tell me that they got it. You know what I have to say? I mean, considering. They got Edwin Encarnacio in a return. Um, no, they got some guy <laughs> named uh, Gustavo Pierre. Yeah, I don't know who that is. He's a third baseman, so clearly they love Michael uh, Franco. <laughs> well, this guy, that guy can't be more than minor league depth uh, when you're trading John Mary G- John Mayberry Jr. Uh, but, I, ha- I mean, I have to give it to the Phillies. They, I t- Relatively speaking, they turned up a couple of good pieces uh, for the Ro- in the Roberto Hernandez trade for uh, getting a couple of guys from the Dodgers. So I'm not saying I want to give some credit there but because it doesn't make up for some of the other trades like Hunter Pence and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, you know. Um, it's nice to see that they're doing something, I guess. All right. We had a couple of requests over top topics from folks. We appreciate the tweets and, and the comments on the blog post, uh, asking us still to do the podcast. And one of the, one of the gentlemen who listens to the, to the show, uh, was hoping to hear something about first Mike Miner. And I'm assuming it has to do with, Hey, do we think it's legit that he is kind of turned his season around here in his last handful of starts? Uh, what say you, Jason? Uh, actually, I would say in his last four starts, because he was skipped 
uh, in his what would have been his second turn in August. He was skipped, uh, and it seems to have done us some good. He hasn't given up more than three. He gave up three earned runs in that first one, went 62 thirds innings. The strikeouts are back. He did walk four, uh, two starts ago on August 22nd, uh, and struck out only five, but it was at Cincinnati, and he went 72 thirds in that one. And generally has been. Obviously, he's been effective, um, and he's allowed only two home runs uh, since they were both against Oakland. So, what I mean, what say you? And it has – I mean, the, you look at the opponents, that's the first thing I wanted to check is like, okay, who's he pitched against? But that's not exactly – I mean, it, it's the Dodgers, it's the Mets, it's the Reds, and somebody else, so it's not like it's a terrible thing. Um, when, I, when I'm looking at the numbers to see what's happening, strikeout rate's a bit up. It, it's, it's, it was 19-6 up until – uh, this run now it's twenty two six. The walk rate's the exact same. He's kept the ball in the yard. He's only allowed two home runs over four starts. That's big. Uh, he's getting more swings and misses on his pitches right now, about four percentage points higher. Uh, he's throwing more strikes and uh, just really working more within the strike zone. I'm just looking across and uh, more ground balls for whatever reason. His ground ball rate's way up, but that's what I'm seeing right now. And uh, pitch wise, it's he's throwing more fastballs. He's given up on his changeup. He's throwing it away. Yeah, that's maybe that's say. what it is. He just he scrapped his changeup. He's barely throwing it now. Yeah, it looks like he has tabled the changeup, um, and perhaps I mean it's some, somewhat isn't. He's he's not throwing the slider quite as often either, a little less. But uh, and, and in his last uh, say a little more than a handful of starts has been. I've seen at least on Fangraphs classifications, uh, he's been throwing what's been labeled a two seamer. Um, I don't know. I I highly doubt that it was just a new pitch that he decided to mix in. So I'm interested to see if there's just a classification issue there because he's kind of gotten the command of something back. Um, I don't know. I'm not an expert on pitch classifications. I think I think the combination of that we're seeing some not just different results but uh, different ways he's doing it. I mean, I think I would be optimistic that he can still be a help rest of the season. Uh, disappoint. I'd be a little disappointed in the long run and wouldn't necessarily project a huge bounce back next season because uh, uh, I think that, you know, I mean, in general, I, I prefer pitchers who have a really good changeup to counter uh, something. And uh, the fact that he's kind of scrapped it, at least at this point, uh, it, it says a lot. Well, it doesn't say mm-hmm. a lot, but it, it, it does concern me a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I would. I think I would be optimistic. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be hesitating to run him out there in September, at least until he hits a brick wall or something like that. It may happen, and I'm desperate. I have him in uh, in Tout Wars 15 team mixed league, and I'm desperate for results in pitching. So I, I mean, I've been chucking him out there, and I'm not even going to think about it the rest of the season. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. I'm just, I'm praying for any points I can get at this point. So yeah, I mean, feel the same way. Optimistic rest of the season. No reason to see you can't keep it up. Uh, might as well go for it. Like I said, September, a month where you're going to see a lot of strikeouts and, yeah. and I'm willing to go for it. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. And, uh, also Adam Eaton and the, as you alluded to earlier, this guy has been on a tear since, uh, he's come back from the disabled list. And so I guess, I mean, I guess the question or what we might, what, what we've been asked to talk about here is, uh, uh, I'm not really sure, I guess. Uh, is he for real? Uh, I mean, he's he's like sixth in the American League in batting average uh, overall for the season. I'm not sure if he qualifies, but if he does, uh, then he would be sixth in the American League. Uh, and and the, the, Great table setter, does a terrible steal, stealing base, is 14 to 22, yeah. but he sets the table, gets on base. 
I would I have no problem putting him right back in in a twelve team mixed. Yeah, I mean he's well he yeah he's. Uh, I guess the thing that concerns me is just like, uh, I mean, I think this is, is this a guy who is benefiting from some uh, some good fortune and some balls in play? I think that that's probably a little bit, uh, that's a little bit the case. And, and I see a lot of, like, next season, is this is a guy who I'm not drafting because um, I think the batting average is going to highly inflate in, va- in value, his value. And he, he, mm-hmm. he does walk. He does walk, but he's not turning that a lot into anything of great counting. Um, counting. He's not turning into counting stats. He's got the one home run, and if you only hit one home run in uh, more than 400 at bats at U.S. Cellular Field, then uh, even if you're projecting some kind of uh, correction there, I mean, what are you going to do? Put four or five? There's no, there's no huge bonus there, and yeah, and the fact, I mean, the stolen base opportunities. Uh, seem like they're destined to come down uh, even more so next season is because combination of he's not been real successful in the majors uh, and and this is over a couple of seasons now and um, I, I wouldn't project him to have that great of an on-base percentage so next season I think he's probably going to be overvalued as a lot of empty batting average but I mean next he's, season he's, he's gonna go he's gonna go twenty dollars in an AL only league next year and, and he's gonna go at, you know, sixteen plus in a in a mixed league, and he's probably going to earn about five. To be honest, I mean, I, <laughs> and I'm not even. I don't even think I'm exaggerating because he's. Dude, think back, think back to the first year when he came up. Everybody loved this guy. He did nothing. Yeah. Then everybody did like I this like guy. Say, now he did something, and now they're going to be back on him, and he's probably going to do nothing again. I would say I would like to say that I have roughly a three year track record of never being in love with this guy, and um. I can't wait to be right again next season on him. I think I'll say that uh, because I do. I mean, I still, yeah, I still see a lot of not real exciting skill sets there. But is I mean, he's a good player. He's I think he's a better real life player than a fantasy player. Yeah. And uh, for that reason, uh, but I think rest of the season, I'd be excited. I'd still be excited to own him. I, uh, I will not dismiss him in that regard. All right, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, or at least Jason's, um, the two-turn pitchers. And it was like, did you pick? Oh, I couldn't remember who all the we we came we rattled off several names last week, and I know you picked Matt Shoemaker, and he had a brilliant week, obviously because he's freaking leading the league in every pitching category you could ask for. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to give you a win on the Travis Wood call. I think that was a great one because he was lit up for like four runs uh, in like five and two thirds or four and two thirds against the Cardinals today. Um, but uh, combine that with, I think he pitched six shutout innings. I want to say against uh, the Reds, maybe, but whatever it is, uh, the team he faced earlier in the week, and calling that a win, four earned runs and uh, almost eleven innings, and he had a, a few strikeouts. That's a, that was a good pick. Really liked it. Uh, a, a tiny bit of a ballsy one because he's had a terrible season. He has. <laughs> and I, I wanted to say also that you picked Coaster. I, I like Coaster incidentally, incidentally, uh, but I couldn't remember if you had picked him. I think I may have. Okay. And he had a good, another, he's on a hot streak. He is, he is uh, excellent results for the Marlins, not necessarily peripherals to back him up, but I think that he has some stuff, the kind of stuff that he has goes on. I think it plays, I think it's, he's going to be a guy that, uh, you know, people, I think he's a good guy that the type of stuff that he has plays well in the National League because he doesn't miss a ton of bats, but he doesn't need to in the National League to be successful because the lineups aren't as long. I think he's a guy that people, for instance, in fantasy leagues are going to pan a little bit as saying like, oh, let's not look at his NL results. He's not as good as they turned out to be. Look at the strikeout rate. Look at the walk rate. And I agree, but I think he could be a nice little 
end game pickup in a, in a deep mixed league, for instance, to be a guy who still puts up these kind of results uh, for a full season, a 350 ERA is possible kind of thing, because I think uh, his stuff moves. It's like, it's wild. It's like some, he's got like a little bit of controlled uh, chaos going on. I think that was a good pick. And, uh, Jake Peavy turned out to have two great starts in the week, and I think I just said John Lackey as well, but he's not like a, a super. I mean, he's owned everywhere. Which is right. I thought he. I got two obvious ones this week for me. Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Al Shane Green. I am riding the Shane Green train against Boston against Kansas City, a Boston lineup that doesn't have much to it, and Kansas City that uh, doesn't is not going to hurt you with power. Can and I, I think can he's, I... he's a solid matchup there. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. I want to guess your other one. Go ahead. Is it by any chance Carlos Carrasco? You know, um... What? No, Detroit stinks right now. (laughs) I know. Detroit stinks right now, and now the White Sox are plugging in every... every, I mean, their major league team sucked, so now they're plugging in minor leaguers. They can't be any better. Jason Hamill. Wow. See, that's... And that's bold to me, because, I mean... Seattle and Houston doesn't get any better than that. They did push him back, and and that seemed to to help him out. I just don't think he gets deep enough anymore. I don't think that he can get through lineups quite as easily as he he was. Those lineups aren't going to hurt him. It's a good possibility. Um, You know, in the American League, um, nobody really... I like Carlos Carrasco. I think that's... I think excellent week for Carlos Carrasco to, to keep up what he's been doing. Uh, I, I think I would go out on a limb and say that maybe the, the Hector Santiago train falls off the track this week. Tracks this week. Uh, uh, he's at Houston and at Minnesota, but that's that's totally. I mean, those matchups sound great. I wouldn't bench him or anything like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if, based on a couple of the numbers that I've seen, that's just kind of a shot in the dark. Maybe it doesn't do so well. I like the Shane Green pick too. He's been an interesting pitcher. Uh, National League. Does anybody get you excited? Yes. His name is Tyson Ross. I know it's kind of a reach, but not even a reach, but like, oh, wow, Tyson Ross, really. Arizona and at Colorado. I don't care if he's pitching at Colorado. That that lineup's terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. All over that mess. Um, if you want me to take a reach and be like, okay, you can't take one of the guys, uh, a guy like that, because that, <laughs> that's just not fair. I understand. I mean, but that's what but most of the two start weeks are this week, yeah. are these guys. Yeah, there's uh, else. So give me Giovanni Gallardo, because he's got at the Cubs. We've already talked about that. We've got St. Louis. They stink, too, offensively. Pretty much. I guess it kind of hurts to say, but. Uh... Uh, Henderson Alvarez, two starts at home. Uh, he's he's also been really good. I mean, yeah, there's there are a lot of good pitchers, and then uh, it's there's no in between. You have Wade Miley at San Diego and at the Dodgers. Uh, that might be the best of the worst uh, because I wouldn't be taking Trevor Cahill twice on the road, even if he does get face San Diego. San Diego has been not so bad, and uh, the Dodgers dropped eight runs on Trevor Cahill in his last outing. So, and that was in like only a couple of innings. And then you have Franklin Morales and Jacob Turner. Who I'm still not ready to trust, despite the fact I think long term the Cubs. I looked at it, I thought about it, but no. Yeah, no. Uh, long term, I'd like to see the Cubs do a little something with him. Uh, rest of the season, I am not willing to trust him. And uh, before we go, real quick, I want to mention this. I saw a, a quote, something to do with from Troy Tilawitzi because of how bad Colorado's offense has been. Uh, he says he would sooner retire than consider a pit position switch. How do you, do you have any reaction to that? Uh, he's getting traded is my, my initial reaction to that. No, you don't. I can't stand when players do this. Yeah. You know, let me tell you something. Look at everybody else. Look at A-Rod. Look at Cal Ripken. I mean, there's, there's a reason why you do this. And 
you know, you need to be, you, I, I, it's a selfish statement. I agree. Totally agree. Selfish statement. And I think, I think that's the kind of thing, uh, yeah, that eventually gets you run out of town. Not in a, I mean, not in a huge way. I mean, he's still going to, he should be, and he should be a beloved player, but it's like, you know, let, let's, I think part of that is probably an emotional reaction and probably a reaction to, uh, I mean, he's definitely been dissatisfied with the way the organization has been built. He's not, he's not on a contender and it's gotta be frustrating for a guy who signed through like 2020, I think. Uh, but the fact that he's also signed through 2020 <laughs> says that uh, with the way he gets hurt and things like that, eventually he's just not going to have the kind of value at shortstop that he has anymore. Well, I think that's going to do it for this edition of The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 161 again. And uh, Jason, thank you very much, as always, for sharing some wonderful wisdom with us. Yeah, enjoyed uh, enjoyed doing it. Let's do it again uh, next weekend. I'll be fresh off my trip from Boston and uh, go from there. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, enjoy your Labor Day as well. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you all, in, uh, well, or speaking at you all next Sunday. And uh Thank you all once again. Again, I've been your host, Nicholas Minix, and this is The Sleeper and the Ghost.